0: Hello, and welcome to The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton. I'm Gloria. During this podcast, we're going to cover a variety of topics that are impacting our everyday lives. We'll look at four things for each topic. One, the absolute empirical truth. That's all about the facts and data. Then we'll look at the personal experiential truth. And that's about how those facts and others do and don't show up in people's lives and their experience of them. Next, the consequential, impactful truth, the difference this makes in people's lives. And finally, you'll hear about resources and solutions you can use to empower yourself and others. Welcome back to the Delicious Truth Podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about post-traumatic slavery disorder, or what I call PTSD, the most deliberately diabolical manipulation of minds, hearts, and systems for profit and gain ever. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gloria Cotton, and I've been a diversity and inclusion practitioner and executive for more than 25 years. My corporate background is in human resources and organizational development. Educationally is psychology and education. Experientially is I've been black all my life, okay? Three things I'd like to talk about in order to introduce why I'm even why I started thinking about PTSD was First, when President Obama was running for office and the things people said, we're in a post-racism society now. There's no more racism in America. After all, we have a black president. At the same time, racist language was growing and getting more prevalent. And people said things like they called him an elitist. Some people even called him an uppity nigga because he had the nerve to be educated, to have accomplishments in career, community, and government. He was articulate and commanding of the language. He was married happily in the family status, and he had no baby mama drama in his life, and you know they tried to dig something up on him. It was the way he carried himself, his lifestyle and dress, the respect he earned, from others in all stations, in his background in people of all diversities. The fact that they used the word monkey and drew caricatures of him and his wife and called him and her that, the dehumanization of it, that was one big part of where this came from. It also came from the very hurtful place of when I looked up, I was doing some research on my family history, With Ancestry.com, and when I got to the U.S. Census of 1800, I saw my relatives listed there, but they were reported and recorded with the livestock, not with the people in the family, in the household, but with the horses and chickens and cattle. I want you to know that dehumanization, when they put the name of my relatives and then said, black, nine-year-old, negra, N-E-G-R-A-H. That was very hurtful to me. I, I was more hurt than I was angry. But I was also disappointed in this nation that I'm proud to be a member of. And then one of the other most powerful things was an experience my son had when he was working with um, four women, who are black like me, about my age, and they were criticizing him uh, as they call themselves coaching him on why are you over there writing music? My son is an artist and a musician. He writes music. You need to stop doing that, they said. Why are you holding those doors open for me? You need to stop being so nice. Don't let them see you, them, the white people. Don't let them see you being kind to us. And he asked me, Mom, why are they doing that? Uh, I had to ask myself, too, why are they doing that? Why are they being disrespectful to my son? And even the greater question was, why do we, black people, tear our own selves down? Why do we self-sabotage ourselves? Why do we limit ourselves? Why do we attack ourselves? Why do we behave like we do with each other? And that was the birth. Of PTSD so that's what this is going to be about the things that I've said to myself I'm looking at my wonderful marvelous producer Brandy's Meva and uh, I see she wants to jump in here Miss Brandy's what you want to say
1: well I'm black too. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) And I've been a black woman all my life And this subject hits home As somebody who's had to work in corporate Who has gone to underperforming schools Has lived in the hood Where economics were certainly a challenge I feel like this is an experience without a name And I'm so excited to delve into the delicious truth of what it means to be a descendant of surviving bloodline Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: people who are captured and enslaved Mm -hmm. in this country.
0: Mm -hmm. And in my research, I discovered that it is not only those people who had been enslaved, their foreparents had been enslaved and survived like ours did, but it also impacted those white people that were enslaving those people and working and living with them. So PTSD is about the mind manipulation and the impact on all people, black and white people and every other race and nation too. So you want to get into it?
1: Absolutely. One of the things that I think about is the point that you just made about, is it not just about a black experience and how it impacted us. And we look at what life looked like on a plantation mm-hmm. at that time mm-hmm the The driving factor was economics and that means that people needed a job mm-hmm. and that there were very poor people overseeing and managing the prospect or the process that is uh, cotton and sugar and tobacco and tobacco
0: mm-hmm. and, right? rice. and rice and rice and
1: rice. <sighs> and rice. There was a lot of crops. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: so if that was the whole purpose of it, if it was economics. If I, I don't do this to you, I can't feed my family. That's a different driver. Mm -hmm. While I don't necessarily appreciate it or excuse it, if we can understand the mindset of very poor people saying that if I don't do this to you efficiently, I can't feed my family. When we look at the impact and the result and how we behave today as Black people, we also have to look at the impact and the result of what
0: that type of ancestry for white people has driven in what we're seeing today. Absolutely. And continues to drive consciously and unconsciously for the majority. So, so first, I want to just define, I got to get, gotta get a, a, a starting point here and level some understanding. What is a slave? slave is somebody who is forced to work through coercion or mental or physical threat someone who is trapped and controlled by an employer or some kind of overseer through mental and physical abuse or the threat of abuse. Uh, And so we get into Maslow's theory of hierarchical need about survival, which is some of what you just said for me as well as my family. And not only that, but of the race. Of my tribe, we hear a lot of people talking now about tribalism, and that's that's real, because that goes back to early man being uh, safe in number, and anyone who was not a member of your tribe could have been and most often was a threat. So we're coming with that historical perspective on tribalism. And then a slave is someone who's physically constrained and has restrictions, restrictions, placed on their freedom, their movement, um, and their wherewithal. And then finally, the dehumanization of those people when they're treated as a commodity, things, things, not people, that are bought and sold as property. And that's one of the differences that other cultures throughout the history of man, when people have been enslaved, they were not addressed as non-human. It was only when black people were enslaved by other people, not when black people enslaved black people, but when black people were enslaved by white people, part of the manipulation of mind and heart and system was that we couldn't be human. And And here's what I figured out. I believe that in our core, in our souls, we are good people, all of us. We have something within us that wants to welcome value and respect everyone. But because of economics, I want cheap and free labor. I want to know that that stock is replenishing itself. How can I get another person to address that being that thing with the mental mindset of they're not worthy, they cannot talk back. I mean, laws and codes were made that said slaves couldn't own anything. They couldn't look their masters in the eye or their overlords in the eye. They couldn't talk back. They couldn't do anything without permission. All of those and many other things that were limiting. How does somebody go about keeping that loose, that noose around someone's neck and still call themselves a human being. Well, I can't think of them as human. I have to think of myself as better than and more than and more justified in everything I have than they are. I have to list them with the horses and the cattle. Cattle don't, they don't say anything back to me. Horses don't argue with me. I tell my dog what to do, and they do it, otherwise they're punished. When they do what I say, they're rewarded. If it's a scratch on the belly or a piece of food that I don't want that's left over, that is how they treated us. So the mind thing was, here is the lowest of the low on the rung, that is the slave. It is not the indentured servant who there were some black indentured servants to begin with, but they stripped them of everything and made them slaves. The white indentured servants, then they promoted as overlords because everybody wants to do better and have it better. The promise and the manipulation was, though, that you're not as bad as those things. You're better than they are, but you're not as good as us. And we have the invention of the term poor white trash all of that is part of the invention of keeping everybody in their place we got to keep those darkies in their place we got to keep these poor white people in their place we we handle we hang a carrot out to them and we say you can be better so we let them come to the big house to the plantation but we don't let them come in we let some of them come in but you can't go to the parlor We let some of them go to the parlor, but you'll never have a seat at the table. This is the class system that's built in, that still goes on in America to keep everybody in their economic place.
1: Well, Gloria, if that wasn't the whole truth. Hello. The (laughs) delicious truth. I don't know. There was levels to that because one of the things that I'm always curious about, and you, you brought this up about, how do you as a human being... Degradate and dehumanize Another human being to that level And not just one to five It's at scale Right And how do you get All this buy in Are you saying That like I get the economic drivers For the poor white white people I get the economic drivers Even for Not necessarily cash economics But the house negroes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get that Right. Because you still don't want to be somebody in the field. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. you you, oh, you know what it's like.
0: Class within the black race also. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Right. So when you think about these layers, are you saying that the that the economics, the people who had the money, because that's who owned the plantations anyway. Right. That's who had the money. That's the root of depravity.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's. That's kind of the cesspool, of depravity, and it created a system. Uh, Because I always said, is it that, because you say you believe that all people are good people. Well, history has told me Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. that there are some people who seem to be willing to do a little bit more heinous things than
0: other people. Those are people who allow themselves to be seduced by their fear Hmm. and fear, frustration and fatigue. They want, it is normal for us to want to be better for ourselves and definitely for our children and those who come after us. We want that for our tribe. When somebody is telling you your security is threatened by someone else, then that's when you're at war with those people because they threaten your survival. Mm-hmm. But here it was, it's not you're threatened by those people. They're not even worthy. Those are animals. So of course you kill them. The only thing they're supposed to do is be beasts of burden and make babies. That's it. And take care of our, entertain them. So we had uh, children who were slaves were the pets, otherwise known as playthings, of the same children their age who were white. It was all purposeful for them to feel better about their lives for them to realize the benefits of their riches and power of their position and to keep others away from it in layers. The people in the big house, they were the top of the rung, except not. Let me back up because even those people who were the masters of the big house, they had government and other officials over them. I call those people the puppet masters. Those were the people who took money from those people, who made money on the crops that the landowners, that the masters, the, excuse me, the masses um, developed. Those are the, those the real people who were engineering. Those puppet masters were pulling the strings of these white people too, and they still are. This is what I want people to get, that this is not, if you, if you have empathy and you can understand and you're black or not black, then you can say, wow, that was hard for black people. Some people don't care. Mm-hmm. Some black people don't care. Some white people don't care. Let's just be real about it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Find, identify a human being that is impacted. That's anybody in this nation and people around the world. How does it impact you, make you feel better, more secure or less? With this thing called racism and slavery in 2020 still in place. Laws and policies say that racism doesn't exist, but practice mm-hmm. and mindset still perpetuates it.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things that you're getting at here, too, that that that's kind of peeling back layers for me in this moment is that racism is just a system. Period. Absolutely. That you can call it anything else, and it's still the same kind of system with That's the right. same kind of drivers. Yes. The economics of yes. power. Yes. And that power then drives on emotion. And then with that emotion is the very crux of how you manipulate people. That's it. So are you suggesting that if we could check our own fear that we are less manipulated?
0: Yes, and look at where that survivalist instinct, which is good. Look at where that is not serving us, as uh, an individual tribe, but beyond that, a national tribe. We we profess to be proud Americans, but all of us are not doing things for us to be proud of, and that pits us against other Americans because we're afraid that if they have as much as I do, then I will have less. People don't think if they have as much as I do, we'll both have a lot. They think, in order for you to have anything, I have to lose something. And that is, nobody wants to lose anything.
1: Yeah, it's so scary that the whole idea of anything that exists means that something else doesn't exist. Hot mess. For example, if you say, Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. Yes. But nobody ever goes to a breast cancer rally and says, but pediatric cancer, it matters. Yes, right. Like yes. there's something around just kind of the social structures that we put in place when it comes to race that work. Because I'm sure that they've tried other things, right? Like why do you think that literally the contrast of whiteness versus blackness? has been so successful in this country and across the world. We have the caste system in India. Um, I don't know what they're calling it in, in in
0: China and other Asian
1: countries where they literally.
0: India like, has the highest rate of present day slavery of any country. Do you right? know that? The cement
1: mines. Hot mess. Kind of, yeah, It's so crazy. They even have a group of people called the cursed ones and whatnot. I always talk about the black nation no matter where you are in the world. You're still black. The darker
0: you are, Mm -hmm. the darker skinned you are, even amongst white people. But why is it? Because it's easy to see. Mm. There are many, as a a diversity and inclusion practitioner and executive, I know that diversity is about every single aspect of a human being. Mm -hmm. Things you can see and things that you can't see. Things you can hear, things you can't see. Every single 100% of things about you, that's your delicious diversity. But you can see, I can see your skin color. I can see your texture of your hair. I can see that. And so it's easy for me to distinguish from afar. Who is it that I need to shut out so I can be in more? Who is it that needs to be out so I can be in? That's the whole thing about it. It's a hot mess. To people who brought up Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, I love that question. What I have said to people, and I've been asked that question in the corporate arena too, Mm. why is it that this... (laughs) This leader said to me, why is it that those people say black lives matter and not all lives matter? He happened to be white. And I said, thank you so much for asking that question. And thank you to the rest of us in this room for creating safety where you could ask a question that I know many people have. So let me experience, let me answer that in this way. Yes, all lives matter. That's what it should be. The reality is that that's not a complete sentence for black and brown people in the United States. All Lives Matter, period, is for white people. All Lives Matter, comma, except, is the reality for people who are black and brown, is the reality for people who are uh, not straight or the L- uh, members of the LGBTQ community, for people who are not Christian particularly the further away you are from Christianity, the less safe it is for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the people who have accents from anywhere across America, we have all these different accents, but as the majority of the people speaking them are not people of color, then those people too are not safe. Yeah. All lives matter, except until we deal with those exceptions, we have a problem.
1: Well, I'll one up you, Gloria. You know, I've, I went to a dear friend's house. I was getting the best homemade food you could imagine. Mm-hmm. I, I love to eat, love a good plate. And she whipped her head up when the conversation was brought up and she was like, I just don't understand. She was also a non black person, but a person of color. Okay. Why? Why is it that you all keep saying black lives matter? All lives matter. I said, because until black and brown lives matter, all lives can't matter. Mm. That is just an
0: untrue. We mm-hmm. can't say it
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it's an untrue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want people to look at what's the proof that lives matter. And and here it is: the when you look at measurements, let's look at that. So I know that all lives matter because people are given. I mean, look at the fifty-two words of the preamble of the Constitution. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. All people are entitled to life. Liberty, pursuit of happiness, all that, all of those things. And in America, you're afforded the opportunity to do that. All lives matter here. Is that true for everybody? Mm -mm. Okay, then guess what? Don't tell me all lives matter then until the measurements are the same for people of all. People look at it when we say all lives matter. And Black Lives Matter, we have to say that because it's not our reality. Let's just bring it back to a non-emotional thing. Let's be very analytical. What are the measurements when lives matter? And is that something that all people of all lives experience? And when the answer is no, you have to say the reality is all lives do not matter, honey. Mm -hmm. Okay? Absolutely. Let's just be real. <laughs> so, Glow,
1: you're really getting into the crux of this here, but I want to take a couple of steps back and look at the chain that starts at economics. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fast forward, we're in 2020 now. You started out talking about slavery, and even the book uh, that you looked up in the uh, US Census where you found your relatives marked as stock. Mm-hmm. It's 2020, I mean. Mm-hmm. What does it look like now? Like we talked about the metamorphosis of what the system looks like, but if it, it was just about addressing people's fears or just people willfully
0: ignorant. I don't I don't some people are willfully ignorant. Yeah, and I, I don't call that ignorance. Ignorance is you don't have knowledge. And some people don't want the knowledge. I call that they're being afraid to get it. Some people have the knowledge, they don't care. I won't even tell you what I call them because this is a respectful podcast. <laughs> but. But but here it is. Now we look at so how can we continue to systematize and institutionalize? Now we look at economics and the impact of lack of economics. Let's look before we get to twenty twenty. Let's look at when Black people um, were quote unquote freed, which was a legal thing only. But some Black people, not all, got that thirty acres and a mule, mm-hmm. and how long they were allowed to keep it. Mm-hmm because people stole things from, they changed the laws, they changed the boundaries, they changed the, oh, well, you can't have a farm here, you can't, we're zoned differently. People constructed laws that would remove any possessions because slaves aren't supposed to own anything unless I let you. And that still goes on. So what happens? Black people, are not taught about how to, in the same number and percentages, in the same way that white people and white children are taught about uh, managing finances, Uh about property and ownership. um, Don't have access to education, but also uh, believe you'll never have it anyway. I worked with some at-risk youth, and the thing was, will I live to be 16? Uh That was 10 years ago. Mm. Their goal was to live to be 16 because in order to survive in their culture, they had to be involved in the gangs, which was killing other black people in order to take what they've got so they could have anything. It is a hot mess how we've trained people. And so here we are back to 2020 with people losing property. Why? Because they don't have the finances. Why? Because they haven't had financial education. Why? Because they haven't had formal education on several different levels. Why is it that the family structure, which was torn apart and not allowed in slavery, you didn't have families in slavery. The men were kept separate. Most marriages were not acknowledged. They certainly weren't legal. And then it got to the point where, wait a minute, white people and black people getting married? We know that ain't happening. So they made that illegal. That was something that was illegal within the United States until 1960s when Alabama said, okay, we have to repeal that mm. law, that you couldn't have interracial marriage. It's a hot mess that goes on. And as long as we have our laws and policies and practices in place that continue to perpetuate the mentality of slavery so that the puppet masters stay in place and then the next level of white people stay in place and none of that is afforded to anybody else where you're called an uppity elitist if you dare achieve or accomplish anything that they because that threatens people we have to look at what can we do so people realize inclusion is about expansion, not about swapping and losing position and power. It's about expanding opportunity for that.
1: I hear you, go. I I'm thinking mm-hmm. about just the reality of the situation is that there'll be there's just some people who won't right right some, and and we have to just kind of accept that that's kind of where we are today and probably where we're going to be seeing from our unforeseeable future right. But there aren't any slaves today, right? In America, at least. There aren't any legal slaves.
0: What do you mean by that? Because there are plenty of people of all colors who show up at work and they feel like they're slaves. Let's look at, what did we say about slaves? There are people who I'm are sorry, not afforded Gloria, I,
1: uh, Preach. Because let me tell you, Come on. one of the things I was excited about when I, I knew you were going to talk about this topic is diversity and inclusion programs that are basically affinity groups there Celebrating people by serving nachos on, you know, Tuesdays. Food fun and famous people. Exactly, right? Like, I remember when I worked at a big corporate, you know, global company and they brought Stepman in to talk to us. uh, Beautiful man,
0: beautiful man. Okay.
1: (laughs) On one of our affinity days. And one of the things I always wondered about is how come nobody is addressing PTSD with these programs? Because I don't even know how to trust people within those structures anymore because of how, like, I literally remember the day that I left corporate. And I burned my badge with a bunch of other homies. Like, we were just like, hallelujah, we are free. We danced around that joint. Like, we were so excited to yeah. be out because no matter how we tried, no matter how many group meets we went, how many times it kept saying that we want to empower our employees of color to take a stand, they just wanted us to go to that room and do that activity so they can talk about, you know, activity levels.
0: Yeah. So let's look at the history of what is now called. Business resource groups mm-hmm. first started, first of all, as unions and uh, affinity group, which was the first BRG. And before that, ERG, the affinity groups were formed for the same reason unions were because organizations were not respecting their people. They had to join together so that in force they would be respected. They'd get good salaries, benefits, all of that. They wouldn't be threatened by the managers and supervisors. Not all managers and supervisors now. Let's get that straight. But that's why unions were created. Affinity groups were created because people felt no one welcomed, valued, respected, heard, or tried to understand them. They couldn't get mem- uh, mentorship. They couldn't get opportunities. They didn't know what was going on in business because they weren't being mentored. They weren't being coached. They weren't fully valued and respected, just barely above animal. But they, those affinity groups were formed for safety, for mm-hmm. acknowledgement, mm-hmm. for survival. And that's all. And why did the employers do it? It was a way of placating those groups Mm -hmm. so they wouldn't go out on strike, so they wouldn't quit, so they wouldn't rabble-rouse, so they would just be good little and do their jobs. It's like patting the dog on the head. Mm -hmm. And this is how I'm rewarding you with... Once a week, once a month, once a year, you can have a conference, and then you'll just stay in your place. This is another stay in your place moment. Then people started saying, okay, why should I continue to allow these people to have time out from work to do this? Affinity groups started saying, we bring value to the company. We have insider information about our communities whatever they are, if it's around race, if it's around sexual identity, if it's around age, if it's around life experiences, if if it's around education, if it's around whatever my career is, we have information that can help you be successful if you're a member of our group or not. Then that transformed into, or metamorphosized. what's the word? Transitioned into (laughs) business resource groups where businesses began to value them. And so now there's a partnership between those teams, but there's still the negative stigma because some people think they add no value It's just keep them in their place. So now we have to, there's stigma involved in many of these things. So what can we do to overcome that stigma? I'm still working to work. I'm trying to help you and your company because it's my company too. I want you to get this. I'm trying to help you be a better company Because it's my company too. And I have insider information on how my people, my tribe, can help that come about. It's the same thing in 2020. I'm trying to help my nation be better. I'm trying to help you understand how we have and can continue to help this nation be the best it can be. And then that means I need to be the best that I can be so that we are all stronger together. That's what we're fighting for in the community level, in the organizational level, in the city level, at the state level, at the national level. Lord have mercy at the global level. No wonder people tired.
1: Well, Gloria, I'm happy that you brought up the whole idea of fighting. You know, I, I'm i relatively young. <laughs> you know, I, I'll give you that. It's not like I'm tired. If anything, <laughs> I'm a little fired up. I mean, we keep approaching this the same way.
0: Yeah. You that know, has to
1: stop. and I mean, I feel like it's rather passive. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I once heard uh, a civil rights leader say, "Well, we've gotten pretty far. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what what else we should be fighting for." And mm-hmm. I was like, "What?" Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there's so much to fight for, and we have so many more resources than our ancestors did. But I feel like we're doing
0: far less. So the more resources. And more attention that's given to it. Somebody said to me the other day, the people who develop and benefit from the status quo are the ones who don't want it to change and don't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. As long as people believe that they will lose as other people gain, they are going to fight it. So, there are more resources for people who have been disenfranchised. And there are more resources for people to continue to disenfranchise. Those things have grown at the same time with the same energy. This is what it's the, it's the yin and yang of the deprivation of slavery.
1: Okay. So let me rephrase that by, by what I mean by resources, meaning that we're more connected as a world than we've ever been before with technology. Mm-hmm.
0: That we're more people saying I love you and more people saying I hate you. Go ahead.
1: Well, sure, like in that way. But the way that messages were transferred and sent across the world before was by footwork. We're not even organizing with those messages and the ability to mm-hmm. connect with people who are mm-hmm. like-minded. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that I feel like the formula. That ignited change mm-hmm. and growth mm-hmm. is being ignored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we standing for? I think the last thing that I saw here in Chicago that I was a, a proud mm-hmm. moment for me is when we stood against children being, you know, taken away from their parents mm-hmm. and put in cages mm-hmm. um, in this current climate of immigration. Yeah, it's just it was just ugly. And to see people say, especially as a, a person of color, as a black person in this country, I know what it's like based on what my ancestors endured when they just took their children and separated yes. families yes. and didn't ha- even let you have the entitlement of feeding your baby over theirs. Got it. Right? So for me... So was, I have like,
0: two breasts and I have two... And my child has to go without milk. Yes. yes and because, other children. I mean, that's a hot
1: mess. Yes. Like, that's the reality. And so for me, it was just coming back up again. I don't understand why we haven't reached a tipping point. And I don't know if people
0: know that reference. So part of it is because there is so much division that's part of this system that keeps us from gaining, that is against us, anyone else gaining, part of the system. So what is happening that helps us? There needs to be a joining of the bigger tribe. And every advance that has been made against this institutionalized systemic racism in America has been with the joining of all races. One race is not going to get it done without the other one. And this is, this is a key moment. Um, and I'm thinking about white people who were killed and beaten. During the Civil Rights Act I'm thinking about a friend of mine Who lives in Indiana Who I said you need not invite me And other people of color To your home Because somebody will burn a cross On your front yard So the people who stand with us Because they see the bigger tribe They're looking at the whole of America Those people are sometimes Singled out and punished As badly or worse than black people. So until we all work together as one tribe, human race, and that doesn't mean don't call us out and celebrate the fact of the different races. It's looking at, yes, I am a member of the human race who happens to be black. I am a member of the human race who happens to use the pronouns she, her, um, and hers. So I am female until I can say all of that, those subcategories, but let it roll up to I am a human being who is an American until we can all look at the one tribalness of that. We will always have the puppet masters pitting us against one another.
1: I think that's really important. And it takes me to the next point um, that I wanted to cover with you today is you talked about How we're all part of the system. But I think that one of the ways that you see that you're all part of the system is empathy and relativity. It's just like I can relate. What's those words again? Empathy and relativity. One more time. Empathy and relativity. Go ahead. And it's just like I was able to empathize with those women and men and those babies who are being separated as a family for yeah. simply trying to find refuge. Yes. It, it's something that just it's crazy heartbreaking. Yes, it, it brings is. me back to all the things that I've read, all the footage associated with my ancestry. Yeah. And so it makes it more meaningful when I stand with it. Yes, I think that one way to kind of help people have more empathy and relativity is for them to see themselves In the system. Absolutely. And so I know that you've used this term before, 21st century slave.
0: (laughs) Yes, because that's real. Yeah, Can you break that down? Okay. So I want to go back to that empathy and um, being able to relate to something. Mm -hmm. Um, So the larger tribe, the whole nation, maybe you haven't had the same experience I've had, but can you relate to it? Can you relate to me as a human being? This is why you cannot, if it if it doesn't, you don't see me as a human being, you're never going to be able to re- relate to my pain. Some people, my daughter is uh, an animal enthusiast and supporter, and if an animal is hurting, and for me too, if I see an animal hurting, that hurts me mm-hmm. because I just don't like, violence against a living thing i mm-hmm. just it, it breaks my soul so i relate that to how would i relate to that if somebody was doing whatever they're doing this horrible i don't even want to mention it to a, a dog or a cat or a horse or whatever just go on youtube and google some of the abuse That's going on. I don't have to, I'm not Muslim. I don't have to be Muslim, though, Mm -hmm. to want our brothers and sisters, fellow human beings that are Muslim, not to be castigated as all of them are criminals. I don't have to be Mexican or Latino or Hispanic to for somebody to to relate to. Not all of my people are rapists. Some are, but guess what? They are racists in every group. They're rapists in every group. There are criminals in every group. There are brilliant people in every group. It is a human thing. It's a human thing. So why can't we, but human. First, let's look at it as human. Let's see people as human. And now their behavior, the measures, what are they earning and how are we treating them? Those See, those standards have to be in place. We have not yet gotten to that fact. 21st century slavery is about the reinforcement, the recreation, the clarification, the cast, the perpetuation of... The, I sound like um, uh, uh, Jesse Jackson, Reverend... J- right. ...was rhyming stuff, He loves,
1: right. yeah, he loves to rhyme.
0: <laughs> so the perpetuation of the uh, indignification... <laughs> Of humanization. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that goes along with this reinforced class system, the haves and the have-nots. There is enough money in our culture that we don't have to have people at the bottom rung of poverty. We don't have to. We are not using our economics in a way that does away with poverty. I'm not saying that all people have to be billionaires. That's not going to happen. Some people don't want to be billionaires. Come on now. But we don't have to have people living on the outside of poverty. We don't have to have everyone's not going to go to Harvard. Not everybody wants to go. But it doesn't mean that people cannot advance themselves. So we have to start looking at stop looking at one way, which is the puppet master way, what they value Mm -hmm. that they hold on to and won't allow anyone else to have. We have to look at what is their privilege and what privilege do other people have and need and want. I don't want your privilege. I want mine. I don't want your, I don't want to be you. I'm fine like this. I mean, this beautiful pecan brown skin right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying
0: to, yes, baby. I'm not trying to trade that in for anything. But I deserve to be welcomed, valued, respected, and heard. And I certainly don't want less privilege for you. I don't. And that's what people think. It means a lot. And that's what people do. That's that's how people get into the conversation. You should lose, or I don't want you to have any privilege because they think they can't have any. So that that's how we get crabs in a barrel of people pulling successful people down, whatever their color. And if they look like me, how do you have it and I don't? What did you do? And then I start lumping in. You had to do something nefarious in order to get it. Instead of, let me celebrate your success by you worked hard. You applied yourself. All of that mental mindset, that's a slavery mindset that is in the 21st century slavery.
1: I tell you what, Gloria, this has been incredible.
0: And I, I love being able to see
1: the system differently because I never thought to yell back at somebody who's like slave. You a slave too.
0: <laughs> I probably wouldn't yell that back to them, but I would know it helps me have empathy for them. Mm. That's what it does. It helps me have empathy. And I will end with this. I look at the indigenous people around the world, most of whom are people of color. And I think because um, our roots were started with nature, So much, deeply embedded and partnered with nature and the the law of the harvest and all of that. I think we have a better capacity to be empathetic. I think we have a better capacity to look at you are another human being in the life in the circle of life. Hello, uh, Lion King. (laughs) In the circle of you are another member of my tribe. Mm. You're a different color, maybe, uh, different stature. But you, we are all members of the same tribe. And when people look at why are black people so forgiving, it goes back to beyond faith, which is used to mess people up. A lot of times religion is just, that's, we need to talk about that at some point, how it's bastardized and leveraged to manipulate. Mm-hmm. But people who use their spirit, not their religion, To connect with other people. Those are mostly the indigenous people of the world. I would like to just say, we can't lose that. That's a gift we have that is sometimes used against us. But we have to look at, I love you. We are one tribe. And that mess right there has got to stop.